if you'll uh, go ahead and switch over, please. Oh, thank you. Um, we're going to continue on our series of sermons we've been doing called Greater, but before we do that, the wonderful uh, people that own this building that uh, use it as a day program asked me to make a quick announcement, and that is they're looking for uh, DSPs, I guess is what they call it. A DSP is direct service provider, uh, I think is what it is. So they're looking to hire. So if you want to be at church all week long, <laughs> they would love to... Uh, They'd love to talk to you about that. So if, uh, if you want more information, just see me afterwards. I'll give you the her name, or you can check them out at, online at Teammates LLC. All right, if you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 14. If you remember last week, we started talking about this uh, greater series and how God uh, uses this word greater in many different areas. And, uh, in fact, in John 1, uh, 50, he says, you will see greater thing than these. We're going to actually be talking about a little bit of this in a moment. But what we find in Scripture always is that this word greater is used. Greater means something is better, something that is, uh, something that is more significant than what was before. In this particular verse, I've read, I can't tell you, hundreds of times, maybe, uh, maybe a maybe hundred times. I don't really, I don't remember how many times. It's been many. And every time I read this verse, I'm just totally amazed. So before we go any further, let's actually jump right in and read this verse. John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pause there and pray, and then we'll jump right in. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you have done. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that somehow we can just grapple and understand what it means in this verse when you say in your own words, Jesus, that we will do greater works than these, the works that you have done. Father, that is, that seems almost impossible, yet you say those words, Father. So we come before you today, we just ask you, Lord, that you help us to grasp a hold of, help us to understand what you're saying in this verse. Help us to do greater things, Lord. Our faith is never intended to be just ordinary average. You have always intended for faith to be great and to do miraculous things through you, Father. And so we ask you, Lord, today, help us to be greater in our faith, Father, greater in our belief and our understanding of what you have for us today. And help us to walk this path that you have given to us. Lord, I pray that you would remove any hindrances that keep us from uh, hearing from you today. Help us to understand all things that you are saying. We'll be sure to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise because you deserve that and so much more, Father. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. So we have to ask this question. What does it mean when Jesus says that I am going to do, that we are going to do greater things? If you'll jump back over to verse 12, Paul, I appreciate it. Um, when we see this, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do. Now, I will tell you as a pastor, I have a 
again, read this verse many times, but I've sat here and I've tried to understand what exactly is Jesus saying. What is he telling us when he says that we will do greater things? Well, even before we get there, there are some assumptions that Jesus makes. And we have to start there before we can even talk about the greater things. And so what we understand is that we have to ask this question. Is it really possible for us to do even greater works than Jesus? Paul, if you'll jump over to that slide, I'd appreciate it. He asks this question. Are we, he tells us, we will do greater things than him. And so this question I'm asking us, is it really possible for us to do greater works than Jesus? Before Jesus even mentions the words greater, it starts with an assumption. Our assumption is that we will be doing the works of Jesus. Do you understand when Jesus says these words to us, when he says these words to his disciples, what he's saying is that I'm not only assuming that you're going to be doing these, that you can do greater works, but that you'll be doing works in general. This is an amazing verse that we have to grasp a hold of and understand and, and talk about here because what Jesus is asking and what he's asking us is that, or what he's assuming, and I don't like using that word assumption, I'm not going to use it in, from the pulpit and say what it really means, but you let to hear, hear what the speaker is saying, right, without me having to say it. But the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus automatically understands that when we come to salvation, when we come to sharing with his salvation that he gives to us, when we accept him for what he's done on the cross for us, that he automatically thinks that we are going to be so changed that we can't remain the same. We can't remain the way that we always were. We can't do the same things that we've always done. And so there's this understanding, if you will, this this assumption that we will do greater things than him, but it starts with us just doing a work. Jesus' start, statement starts with the simple thought that Christians would be doing the work that he does. Is that unbelievable? No, it's not unbelievable. What it means is that Jesus just automatically starts with the statement of saying, when you do the works that he does, it means that your life is so changed. When you come to Jesus Christ, when you give your life to Christ, you have come from a place, a place that didn't know Jesus before, and now you do. But that belief, Jesus understands, and Jesus knows that the change that he has made inside your heart is going to cause you to want to do something. And it should. The problem is today is that we have a lot of Christians who are not changed. We have a lot of believers who still walk in the same light. When we ask this question, as the Keurig makes this coffee out there, that's really funny, right? <laughs> Draining all the last juice out. No. Uh, so when we hear, not the Keurig, but when we hear... Jesus say, you'll do these works. What do you think of? See, the problem I think a lot of Christians have is they don't know what to do. They don't know what step. They know that they've given their life to Christ. They know that they have this relationship with him. They know that they should be reading their Bibles. They know that they should be praying. But outside of that, they don't know what else to do. I, I'm, I, I don't know what to do. I, I hear this often when I'm talking to people. I just, I know God wants me to do something, but what should I do? How can I do these things? Well, it starts with the very simple things. Jesus did certain works, 
right? If we take a moment and we just pause and we read the words in red in your scripture, in your Bible, if you have a Bible that has the red words, that means those are the words of Jesus. And so when you read those verses, you see what Jesus is doing. See, at the very simple element of faith, the very simple element of being a Christian means that you're going to be Christ-like, which means you're going to do what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? He fed, right? He fed those that were in need, those that were hungry. He helped the widows. He helped the orphans. He surrounded himself with people that he spoke into their hearts, and he shared with them, and he, and he shared the gospel with those people, and he did all of these things. Did he, he uh, I mean, if you really want to get crazy, you can go spit in people's eyes. That's what Jesus did too, right? I, I mean, let me know how that works out for you, okay, if you do that, right? But honestly, Jesus healed people. He prayed for people. He was there for people. He interacted with people. He spent time with them, sharing his heart with them. At the very simple basis, at the very beginning of what we need to do is do the simple works of Jesus. If you want to do a greater work than Jesus, guess what? It starts with doing something for Jesus. See, the problem is that we have a lot of people, a lot of believers who want to see the greater works of Jesus without doing the minor works of Jesus. Those minor works of Jesus that are just literally simply loving people. Those minor works of Jesus is simply feeding people. Those minor works of Jesus is swallowing your pride and being humble. Those minor works of Jesus is giving yourself for a better cause than your selfish right, right, your selfish self, if that makes sense. So the idea here is that we have to get to this place that we will be doing the work that Jesus does. We have to get to the simple place. We always want to jump right to the great things. We want to see the miracles. We want to see people rising from the dead. We want to see the healings. We want to see all of these things. But it starts with us doing the simple things. You have to be doing those things in order for Jesus to do something more than what we have. In order for you to do greater works, you have to the very least, be at work. No one likes that, right? No one likes the idea of work. I know uh, Jay shared his stories of his week, this work, this, this work week, and no one really likes that. Everyone loves to go on vacation, right? I mean, we love to have vacations. Well, a few of us. I know, Belinda, you're a little strange, but that's okay. Uh, but we, she shook her head no when I said we like to be on vacation. She's like, no, no. But listen... No one really, I, I hope that you enjoy your work that you're doing, right? Because it makes, the, it makes it more profitable and easier to do the job that you're doing, if you like the work that you're doing. But this idea of work means that we have to expend energy, we have to do something that's outside of the ordinary, outside of, the, you know, not the comforts of our home, we have to go somewhere, we have to do something. Jesus is simply telling us that we should be doing the works that he does. It should become second nature to us. The problem is that we try to make the works of Jesus separate from the works of our life. When Jesus says, no, I want the works of Jesus and the works of your life to be one. That means when you go to school and you become a, uh, a principal and you become this uh, big principal like Christy is in Akron North and she can go around telling kids what to do. No, she goes with the heart of Christ, right? She's a principal, yes, but she also has the heart of Christ. When Jeremy goes to work and he's welding, is he just a welder that can weld a straight bead on a two, uh, two pipes? Hey, listen to me, Jeremy. Isn't that great? I understood the bead, right, of a weld. Give me some credit here. Come on now. Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you. 
the truth of the matter is, no, he goes with the heart of Christ. We all do, all of us in this room, whatever we do, whether it's serving in a retail environment or going into the office or into a factory or wherever you're at, it should change you. Your relationship with Christ should change you so much that it is natural for you to do the works of Jesus. It is natural for him to flow out of your heart. It's natural for him to flow out of your mouth when you're having conversations with the people around you. That's what it means. That's what Jesus starts all of this. Even before we get to the word greater, we have to understand this. That this assumption that Jesus makes is that we would be so changed that we would be doing these works for him automatically, naturally, out of who we are. Verse 12 goes on to say, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do, because I am going to the Father. Now, before we flip over to this next slide, I want to just ask you a question. And I'm, as Paul reassured me today, there's no skylights in here, so you don't have to worry about any lightning bolts coming through the skylight of the, of the roof here, you know. But have you ever thought of yourself as being greater than Jesus? I hope everyone in this room emphatically says no, right? We should never think of ourselves as being greater than Jesus. Jesus was the greatest that ever walked this earth. He was the greatest that ever came. He did the greatest things that ever happened on this earth. Yet in his own words, we read right here, that we will be doing greater works. Now how do we handle that? How do we... Take that statement, mix it with who we are and who we know Jesus is, and come out with something that is theologically okay and also okay with us. Well, we have to understand that it first starts with the word works. Jesus never promised us to do greater things, yet instead greater works. Now when we look and we think of these great works that Jesus is doing, if you could flip over, Paul, to the next slide, that would be great. When we understand this, when we hear this, when we see this, we understand that Jesus never promised greater things. Jesus raised people from the dead. Jesus healed people by taking mud and spit and rubbing it in their eyes. He delivered people of their sins and all of those things. Is that possible for us? Absolutely. All of those things are possible for every single one of us. Jesus never promised us that we wouldn't be able to do those things. He just said that we were, and in fact, he says we're going to do greater work. So we have to set our minds on the simple, we, we set our mind on the simple things when really Jesus wants to set our minds on the grand things. We have to stop looking at these things and going, oh, that's too big for me. I got to call the pastor. Right? It's too big, i got to call the healer, i got to call the evangelist, i got to call this person, i got to call that person. No, these things are able to everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ. There is nothing that is held back from us because Jesus Christ is with us. And he's in us. And he's with us. But Jesus never promised us greater things. He just said greater works. It's interesting that immediately after Jesus leaves and the Holy Spirit comes, what does Peter go out and do? Ever ever, uh, read Acts chapter 2 and 3? The Holy Spirit comes, fills the room. They're speaking in different languages that everyone around them is hearing. They leave, they walk out. Peter goes out and he begins to preach. And what happens? Peter preaches and A rough estimate is 5,000 people came to the Lord that day. 
I've heard some people say up to 20,000 because 5,000 men, they say, and if you add women and children in there, you could easily get up to that number of 20,000 quickly. In all of Jesus' life, as he walked this earth for 33 and a quarter years, or 33 and a half years, he never once was able to see 5,000 people come to the salvation message of Jesus Christ. Do you understand it? Does that make Jesus less than Peter? Absolutely not. We see what Peter did. Peter, what, denied Christ three times, right? But what we see is that because Jesus leaves, the, the, the answer to all of this is not in the simple fact that we are better or Peter is better than Jesus. The answer to all of this is what Jesus says in that verse when he says, not only will you do these works, but I'll, we'll do greater works because I am going to the Father. Jesus is going to the Father, and so what he's asking his Father is he's interceding at the right hand. But also, in addition to that, guess what? Not only do we have Jesus now interceding to the Father, but we also have the Holy Spirit who walks with us, who empowers us to do these things. It's not that we are greater than Jesus, it's that we have a greater backing behind us. right? We have Jesus who's standing behind us, and he's empowering us through the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and do these works. And so that we should not be happy with just a few. We should not not be happy with just this simple thing and this simple thing. No, our goal, our mind should be set on the grandiose idea that we can reach and change a whole entire nation. That we can reach and change our whole entire community. That we can reach out and do these things. Not because, again, we're greater than Jesus, but because he is empowering us to do greater works in his own words. You all are way too quiet for this. Jesus promised us that we would do greater works. Not greater things, greater works. I love the story of Peter when he's walking on the water. Peter is an interesting person, right? Peter is walking on the water, and when he walks on the water, he's, he, he, he says, Jesus, if that's you, instruct me to come and walk on the water. What does Peter do? Jesus says, Come. And what does Peter do? He steps out of the boat and he begins to walk towards Jesus. And it isn't until his eyes lose focus of who Jesus is that Peter begins to sink. But let me, let me explain something to you, and I wish I had the verses up here, but I don't. Scripture tells us when we read that story that Jesus was a far enough distance away that they could not recognize him exactly who he was. Right? If anyone remembers that verse, that's exactly what that verse says. The verse says that Jesus, the disciples could not recognize that it was Jesus. He was far enough away. So Peter calls out, if that is you, Lord, then instruct me to come out and walk on the water. So Peter walks on the water. What does he do? He doesn't just walk on the water a little bit and then fall into the water. He's close enough that Jesus can reach out and grab him and pull him out of the water. That means Peter's focus on Jesus was there for quite a long time, and he walked quite a lot on the water before he lost focus of who Jesus was and fell into the water. Why is that significant to what we're talking about today? Is because you and I have to remain focused on who Jesus is. As long as our eyes are on Jesus, anything is open to us. As long as we keep our eyes on him, we can do these greater works. As long as we focus on what he's asking us to do, we can continue to go on and press forward in all of these things. This greater works that Jesus is talking to us 
means that we need to set our eyes our eyes on something different. You know, there are four principles. I love this quote by Smith, Smith Wigglesworth. There's four principles that we need to maintain. First, <clears throat> read the Word of God. Second, consume the Word of God. Third, believe the Word of God. And fourth, act on the Word. Smith Wigglesworth, if you don't know who he is, he was a man who was uh, a, a British man who was focused on evangelism and he gave his life to Christ and he once said in one of his other quotes that I actually love is that he goes, I hardly ever pray over half an hour, but I, hardly, but I never go a half an hour without praying. So understand what he's saying in there is he, he hardly ever goes over half an hour praying, but he never goes a half hour in the day without praying. And Smith Wigglesworth was a man of his word because what he did was he literally prayed all day long. He spent one time, as uh, uh, his own uh, autobiography says that he spent at least uh, two and a half weeks locked up inside of his house praying. He prayed so long that he never came and got the newspaper, and so the newspaper started to pile up on the front of his porch, and the newspaper uh, deliverer actually thought he had died, and so he called the cops, and the cops uh, showed up to his house. They walk into his house, and he, they find Smith Wigglesworth down on his face on the middle of the floor. They were for sure he was dead, and so they called the paramedics. The paramedics come to pick him up. They roll him over, and he's like, what are you doing? And they're all shocked. And they're like, what do you mean? We thought you were dead. We thought you were injured. He says, no, I'm in the middle of the prayer speaking to my Lord and Savior. And won't you know that four police officers and four paramedics that day, that moment, that very moment, why they came to turn him over to see if he was alive, gave their life to Christ that day because Smith Wigglesworth said, this is a gift from God that God gave to me. Smith Wigglesworth was this amazing person, but in this, in this quote... This amazing quote that he has for us is simply this. There's four principles that we need to maintain. First, we need to read the Word of God. Second, we need to consume the Word of God. Have you ever thought about what it means? I can tell you for sure that this paper does not taste so good. <laughs> it's hard to eat the Word of God. But what Smith Wigglesworth is talking about, obviously, is that you need to consume it, meaning let it change you, get it inside of you, who you are, allow it to change you. And then he says we need to believe the Word of God. See, oftentimes we read something and we're like, did that really happen? Did the Red Seas really part? Did the manna fall from heaven? Did Jesus really die on the cross, uh, on the cross for us? Did all of these things really happen? They did. And so we need to consume those things, and then we also need to believe what he reads, what we read in this. We need to believe what is wrote, written in here, that these are the words of God for us. And then the last thing that Smith Wilgerworth says is that we need to act on the word. See, the problem that we have today is that too many people don't, not only don't want to do the works, their eyes are on the greater works without doing little works, but then they also go in there without understanding the principles of God and how we need to be changed by what the words of God says to us. When we understand the words of God, when we allow them to change us internally, we can do greater works because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit inside of us. The word of God tells us that the Holy Spirit is going to empower us as we go forth. That's exactly what happened to the disciples. That's what happened to Peter. That's what happened to all the disciples moving forward. When Jesus was resurrected and he went back up into heaven, we see the disciples start to do amazing works. Greater works than Jesus ever did. 
because I think of I think of this often. You know, today we're here meeting in this room, but we're also videoing this and it's broadcasting live on the internet. And then we'll also have this uh, nice video that's put together, and it'll be there on uh, Facebook as well that you can go watch or uh, over our website that you can see it again. All of those things are happening. The opportunity for us to reach people today is in a greater way than Jesus ever did is certainly there. Do you understand that just this simple meeting that we're having here today is a chance for us to have greater works than Jesus did? Why? Because of all the technology that's in the world today that allows us to reach into places that Jesus never was able to. Jesus didn't have the radio. He didn't have internet. He didn't have those things. The only thing he had was the word of God that he could preach and he could give out and he could speak out. In fact, we find Jesus' most successful sermon that we see is the Sermon on the Mount, right? Where he fed all of those people. But on the Sermon on the Mount, what did he have to do? He was in a place, if you understand the, the, the um, geography of where the Sermon on the Mount was given, it was preached on a hill, and he was casting his voice out that way, and it was bouncing off the water and coming back. And so it was his own. In fact, today you can go there, they have concerts. Have ever, anyone ever heard of Red Rocks in Colorado? Beautiful amphitheater. Why? Because they don't actually even have to have microphones. They can do a concert there, and you could hear them way up top, just the way that it is built. Well, it's the same thing in the Sea of Gethsemane, where Jesus is preaching the uh, the Sermon on the Mount. <clears throat> we can do greater things because of the technology that we have today, but we can also do greater works because of what Jesus, where Jesus is, and where the Holy Spirit is. When we are led by the Spirit, we have the power and ability to do greater things of God. Let that sink in for a moment. When you are led by the Spirit, you can do greater things because of He who is inside of you. It's not our ability. See, that's the thing that we have to understand. When we read this verse, we have to stop and say, I don't have greater abilities than Jesus. I would never even pretend to do that because I don't. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's amazing. But what I have is the Holy Spirit inside of me who is given to me by Jesus. And I also have Jesus on the right hand of the Father who's empowering me to go forth. And so that means I have to break free of the monotonous, break free of the world today that tells me I can't do these things and instead go out and just do them. If we just would go out and do these things, we could see great works done. You know, I was driving by uh, some fields by my house and the, uh, there was a farmer getting ready to um, soybean. You know, he's getting ready to uh, help me out. What's the, what's the word? Yeah, combine. Thank you. The soybean. And he is setting out by the road and I just stopped to say, hey, how you doing? You know, I asked him how he's doing. He said, oh, I'm doing great. I said, well, how's the, how's the yield this year? And he goes, it's fantastic. They had a really good year. And I, 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 you know, congratulated him on that. I said, that's fantastic. I'm glad it's a good year for you. He said, prices aren't where they want them to be, of course, and gas prices and everything else, but the yield was going to be good. And I left that conversation, and I thought about the sermon today, and I thought, the yield can only be good if they first planted something in the beginning, Right? You don't look at an empty field and say, oh, I think that in, in three or four months there's going to be soybean here, right? 
oh, a farmer tills his ground, he prepares the ground, he plows it, he does all of those things, he plants seed in that ground, he does all of those things. Why? Because he's looking for a return. He's looking to yield something out of that. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking, how often do we as Christians do exactly opposite from what a farmer does? We want to see these great results. We want to see people saved. We want to see miracles happen. We want to see people healed. We want to do all of those things. But yet, what do we do? Too often, we're not even planting the seed in the ground. We're not praying. We're not befriending the people that we need to see one to Christ. We're not spending time with them and rubbing shoulders with them and telling them, hey, God is there for them and sharing the gospel of the the good news with them. We're not doing those things. Those are all the things that farmers automatically do because they know if they plant a seed in the ground, it will most likely have a chance of yielding something. But if you don't plant a seed in the ground, you're not going to yield anything. That's the nature. That's the law of nature. That's how it works. And so why do we think that we can do greater works of Jesus when we're not doing any works at all? And better, and even in addition to that, when we're looking at this idea and we're going through all of these things and we start to understand what is happening here, then we have to not only put seed into the ground, but we also have to tend it. We have to feed it. We have to water it. We have to make sure that it is growing the way that it is. Sometimes we have to go and do what? Pull out weeds. It's the worst thing in the whole entire part of gardening, right? Or growing. I hate pulling weeds. They're the worst. But we understand that when we plant something, there's not only going to be what we planted, but there's also going to be weeds that come up. And so we have to be on top of ourselves, pulling those things out. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He prompts us. He guides us. He strengthens us. He causes us to go and do these things. It's not under our own power that we're doing greater works. It's under the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to stop and say, God, help me through the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you've called me to do, to go and do those things. See, when we're out doing the works, we're most likely going to see these things happen. We're going to see great things. If you're serving God, God will always have miracles happen. They just do. Sometimes that miracle is as small as a boss not yelling at you on a, on a phone call, right? On a video call. Sometimes we can see great things. I've shared with you stories and stories before of things that I have just been, I've been able to witness, amazing things. A lady having stitches fall out of her arm after we prayed for her. I mean, that's amazing to me, right? It's amazing that that process even happened. But why did that happen? Because we were brave enough to, and bold enough to go up to her and say, can we pray for you? Even though she had just had stitches and she almost cut her thumb off. I've told this story before. If you've been here at any length of time, you've heard this story. But literally, she sliced her hand in a, in a slicer, a deli slicer. And I was, I can't, I was going to say something like that was some really bad baloney that day, but I, that's, uh, right, I'm sorry. But she cut her, she cut her thumb almost completely off. When we saw her, we began to pray for her. We began to ask her, you know, uh, the very first thing we said is, may we pray for you because we believe that God can heal. And she's like, well, it just happened yesterday. My hand still hurts. And, and we began to pray for her. And as we prayed for her, she, you know, the blood on the, on the, bandages literally went away. And after we got done praying for her, I, I, we, we just reached out and said, can you remove those bandages? And as she removed the bandages, stitches fell out. 
Now, this is amazing. This is not anything that me or this other group of people that I was with, we don't have any special powers. We're not healers. We're not known to be healers. We're not any of those things. But what we did was we were working and doing the works of God. And because Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father and because the Holy Spirit is inside of us, he empowers us to do these things. And all we had to do was open our mouth and say, Lord, heal her. There was nothing special that I said or anyone else said that day. We didn't speak Hebrew. We didn't speak any Latin or French or anything else. We, we, we didn't ask her to like be healed and all of those things. No, we were just opening our mouth and doing the simple work that God wants us to do. And because of that, this lady was healed. I could go on and on and on, but see, the problem of it, or the issue here that I'm trying to impress with you, and I hope that you understand, is that it takes for you to open your mouth, to get into a relationship with someone, to ask them if you could pray for them, to believe that this is going to happen. It's not just simply reaching out and saying, can I pray for you, Chad? No, it's putting your hand on his shoulder and praying for him and opening your mouth and letting God use the words that you say to touch that person. That's what God wants us to do. Those are how we do greater works than Jesus is by simply following the example that he gave for us. It's not that we're going to be greater than Jesus. It's not that we have to do all these things, but it's because of him and what he's doing inside of us that we can see these greater things. Can you flip over to the next slide, please, Paul? I want to make sure that you understand that we will never be greater than Jesus. I want you to understand in this simple room here, or watching, if you're watching online, the simple idea that we will never be greater than Jesus. Jesus is the greatest of all times. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I've said this over and over and over again. He is fantastic, and there's nothing that we can do to be better than him. But he calls us to be greater. He calls us to do greater works, which means that you and I have to be out doing something. I hope that today, at the end of this sermon, that you get excited, that you get uh, that you get inside of you, you can hear that eternal music that's playing, that's pumping you up to go out and say, I'm going to share with Christ today. I'm going to share Christ with the people around me. I'm going to pray for someone in the grocery store. Can I tell you that some of the greatest work that's ever been done in the, in, in the work of the Lord has been done in the grocery store? It's honest. I, 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 have seen, I have seen more prayers answered in the middle of Giant Eagle grocery store in both Ritzstown and Ravenna than I have anywhere else. Don't ask me why. Maybe God likes the canned, aisle, uh, the canned vegetable aisle. I don't know. Maybe he likes the cereal aisle. I don't know. Just this past two weeks ago, I was walking in the store, and I've shared similar stories before, but I'm walking through the store, and here's this young lady, and she's looking at the cereal, and she's telling her little child, I'm sorry, we can't afford the Frosted Flakes. We have to get the generic Frosted Flakes. So she's telling her, her child this, and, and I reached down in my wallet, and I pulled out a $20 bill, and I went to the little boy. I said, hey, come here. And the little boy comes up, and the mom's looking at the cereal, and she's checking prices like that. And I said, here you go. Go buy the Frosted Flakes. And I gave her $20, and I, I just kept walking. And so he goes, Mom! Mom! I can buy the Frosted Flakes. That guy told me I could. And she, I could hear her. At this point, I'm trying to make my way to the other aisle real quickly, you know? And so she's like, "How? we can't afford it. I already told you that. And she's like, no, I have $20. And she goes, where did you get that from? Well, from... I 
found the love of God that was right there. To him, I just changed his whole entire life because now he can buy a box of Frosted Flakes, right? Instead of the generic bag of Giant Eagle Frosted Flakes that tastes about the same, but to a kid, it's different. Simple things like this. Listen, I've walked the aisles of the grocery store, seen someone crying because they're upset. If you just pause and ask them, hey, I'm sorry that you're having a bad day. Can I pray for you? Simple things as going to the line at, at Dunkin' Donuts and paying for someone's coffee, how that changes people's life. I've heard stories of people having their lives changed. You know, a, a few, um, a year ago, I think it was a year ago, we made this challenge, and the challenge was that you have to go out and you do these, uh, these 25 uh, days of Christmas. We did 25 outreaches of Christmas, and so... I walked into the Dunkin' Donuts uh, and said, I would like to buy the next three people in line their, their coffee. And she said, well, you're going to have to get in line. I said, what do you mean? And she said, there's already been about five people that have already paid for the next people's line of coffee. And I said, really? And she goes, yeah. There's this guy that came in this morning and gave me money and said, I'm going to pay for the next person. That guy ended up being Jason Del Savio, by the way, JD. And he paid for someone's coffee. And so the next person in line paid for someone else's coffee and they paid for someone else's coffee. And it continued on. And the lady at Dunga Nose told me this has been going on for about two and a half hours. <laughs> Can you believe that two, so two and a half hours... Everyone else just pay. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe if I'm in line, I, I might have broke that string. So, okay, yeah, so I'll take free coffee here. Give it to me, you know, free hot chocolate. No, I'm kidding. But no, there is people paid it for it, continue paying for it. Why? It's just simple things. Now, is that a greater work than Jesus? Mm, I don't know. Did Jesus ever pay for someone's coffee at Dunkin' Donuts? No, but he provided food. He provided fish and bread. It's little things like this is the work. When we do those little things, when we just decide I'm going to be actionable in my faith instead of just waiting to receive. See, as Christians, we often get into this place where I just want to receive everything. I just want to receive what God has for me. I want the word of God to fall upon me. I want a prophetic word. I want, I want God's blessings. I want someone to pray for me. I want someone to do this. I want someone to invite me to lunch. I want someone to do all of these things. How about we just stop and say instead of receiving, how about we give? How about we just stop and say, listen, I have a prayer that I can. There's people around you right now that need your prayers. There's people right now that are looking for miracles. There's people right now that need things. And instead of looking to receive, how about we give? How about we do the simple works of Jesus, the simple things that Jesus did? Because those, when we do those simple things, that's when we're going to see the greater works of Jesus. That's when we're going to see these things that are just amazing, these miracles that there's no definition to how or why they happen. They just happen. That doesn't happen unless we're doing the work of Jesus. So I'm going to shock Corey and tell the worship team that they can come forward. I'm a little early. So go ahead and if he's out there or if you can get him to have him come forward and have the worship team come forward. <laughs> yeah, come on, Christy, you can sing. We believe, Christy, we, we want to pray for you that you get the power of the instruments so you can pray and you can sing. We believe that that can happen. <clears throat> the truth of the matter is, is there simply this. <laughs> 
the simple idea here is that we have to be taking steps forward for Jesus. We have to be doing the works of Jesus. And when we do the works of Jesus, then the greater things shall come. But it isn't until we do the simple things. This is true in every environment of life. You have, I mean, let's, let's face it. Listen, when you start a job, do you think you're going to be the highest paid employee of the, of the company? No. I mean, I don't, listen, when you're, when you're entry level, you start an entry, they call it entry level for a reason, right? But what happens? You put in the work, you do the, you do the things that they ask you to do, you work hard and you get promotions and you get raises if you're in a good company and, and you continue to move forward and you see yourself and then eventually you can work yourself up to those things. Jesus is asking us not that we need to even wait Years, excuse me, to be promoted and to do greater works than him. In fact, he says that we will do these greater works. But what he's saying is that we have to be doing something. And so I want to end this sermon with the simple idea here is that we will pray to God and we'll ask him, Lord, what is it that we can do? What is it that I can do? How can I change what is going on in my life today? How can I do these greater works, Father? Give me an idea of what I need to do. Help me to be focused on my faith and help me to be focused on what I need to go forward with. But help me to understand that the greater works. I desire that. Listen, anyone in this room that doesn't desire to see great works like healings and, and you know, Smith Wigglesworth is a perfect example for this, right? Do you know that Smith Wigglesworth is credited for at least two, maybe three people rising from the dead after he prayed for them? Real life. I mean, these are this is documented. You could go to you could go to Smith Wigglesworth and read his own words, or you can actually go to the uh, whatever the British Medical Association or or area is because they, his his name is actually listed because he went into a morgue and he started to pray for someone who had died, and as he prayed for them, that person began to breathe again. I, don't ask me how that works. If I die and I'm in heaven and someone Jay, you start to pray for me and ask me to come back and I come back, I might have to beat you up. Okay, just saying. But the simple fact is that Smith Wigglesworth didn't care what everyone else thought. He didn't care that it was seemed impossible. Why? Because he had seen other works done. He had seen God move in other ways. Those people that came to his house, the police officers and the paramedics who gave their life to Christ that day, you know what Smith Wigglesworth spent two days praying about? that God would bring someone to his doorstep that needed to know Jesus Christ. And what did God bring? Four policemen and four paramedics. And he shared Christ with all four of them and they all gave their life to Christ. But it started with a prayer. It started with a simple request to God. God, I want to see I want to see miracles. I want to see people come to salvation. When's the last time that we stopped and just prayed, God, I just want to see your work done. I just want to do your work. Empower me to do those things. I don't need to see miracles, although that would be nice. I just want to see my faith grow and the faith of others grow. Will you stand with me, please? Today, I want to just simply ask you this question. And that question is, are you doing the works of Jesus? Are you feeding? Are you helping widows? 
Are you speaking to children? Are you sharing your faith with those around you? Are you caring enough? Not caring, as in caring today, but caring enough. (laughs) Are you caring enough about the people around you? To not want them to live the rest of their life or to live eternity in hell? See, that's what it really gets down to. It really gets down to, do we care enough about people that we will share the good news of the gospel with them? We can't force people into salvation. It's their own choice. So today, instead of, you know, there's so many ways. I, I, I thought about, you know, calling people down here and let's pray for miracles to happen. And I want to see those miracles. I still believe that Sue's going to be healed. I do. I still believe that God wants to heal other people. I still believe that God wants to make things whole where they're not. I still believe that our brother Paul back there is going to be free of cancer. I still believe that God can bring babies to where doctors say there's not going to be babies. (laughs) I believe that God can provide things for us. I still believe, by the way, that God's going to turn this community around and that we're going to see a great revival here in Ravana, Ritztown, and surrounding areas. I believe that. I've been praying for that for 17, 18, 19 years, and I'm going to continue praying that. I believe that's going to happen. Why? Because God wants to do great works in us. So may I encourage you today, before you leave today, ask the Lord, what is it that I can do? What is it that you want me to do? How can I step forward in faith? How can I go forward in this place and in our community to share the faith that you have given to me? Ask him that question. And then as he begins to give you the answer, say, Lord, may I have greater works. May I see these things done in your name because I want to glorify you. I don't want to be glorified. I want you to be glorified. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I believe that you're still in the miracle-working business. I still believe that today, amongst all of us in this room or those that are watching online, that you have great works that you want to see us completed. And so, Lord, I pray today in this place that you would bless those that need that. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and our ears, that we would hear from the Holy Spirit that says, these are the works that I want you to do. These are what I want you to do. The people that I need you to speak to, the people that I want you to go to, the people that I want you to reach out your hand and touch, those people need you, Father. And I just ask you that you direct us, that you guide us, Lord Jesus. Help us not to be so torn or so wrapped up in our selfish individuality that we forget that we're supposed to be your servants here on this earth. Help us not to seek the greater gifts alone, but help us to seek the greater gifts by doing the works that you've called us to do. That you and your death on the cross was so impactful to us that we have to do something with our faith. We can't just remain the same that we are today. Jesus, we are not greater than you. I want to proclaim that today, and I have no problem sitting here saying that today. But in your own words, you say to us that we're going to do greater works than you. And I don't sometimes even completely, fully understand what that means, other than I believe that our opportunity to reach people is greater because of you 
and what you're doing in heaven and the Holy Spirit who resides in us. But I ask you in this place today, Lord, help us to desire to do the works that you have called us to do. Help us to go forth from this place, reaching out to those that need to be reached out to, to feed the poor, to reach out to the widows, to help the kids, to love on our neighbors, to love on our family to be your servants, your hands and feet. Forgive us, Father, for being selfish. Forgive us for not doing these things, the simple things, the simple work, and help us to do these things today so that as we go forward, we can see these great works, these miracle-working things that you say will happen in us and through us because we are serving you. Help us today, Father, as we give our life to you. In Jesus' most precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's worship together. Wander into the night Wanting a place to hide this weary soul This bag of gold Try with all of my might, but I just can't win this fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond. Just when I ran out of the road, I met a man I didn't know, and he told me. That I was not alone. You picked me up, you turned me around, and placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because you healed my heart, you changed my name. Forever me, I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. I cannot deny what I've seen. I got no choice but to believe my doubts are burning like ashes in the wind. So long to my old friends, but in a bitterness, you can just keep them moving. They love him. And now, till I walk the streets of gold, I sing of how you saved my soul. This wicked son has found his way back home. You picked me up, you turned me around, and placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, because you healed my heart, you changed my name, forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank God. I thank the Master, 
because he has changed us. He's made us. He's picked us up. He's cleaned us off. And he set us free. That's happened because we have given our life to Christ. Romans 10 verse 9 says that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is our Savior, that he died on the cross for us, that we can have eternal life with him. So simply as confessing with our mouth and believing with our hearts and saying those words that we can have. That's so a Father, I pray right here, right now, if there's anyone in this room or that is watching at home online that has never given their life to Christ, may today be that day where they say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I ask you into my heart. I believe that you are my Savior and you are my King. By saying those words, you are now entered into the family of God. Welcome. But Father, we ask you that you just help us today as we go forth from this place to share this good news, this gospel message that is inside of our hearts. That we share it with others. That we do the work that you've called us to do so that we can see these amazing miracles, these greater things that are yet to be done. Father, you... I still don't understand why, but you use us, Father. Flawed human beings. You call us to be your hands and feet. We're so thankful that you empower us to do these things. Help us. Give us the boldness. Give us the strength. Give us the courage to step out of our comfort zone and into that zone of Jesus Christ so that we can see these amazing things done. Help us today. Send us forth from this place. Again, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd prompt each and every one of us as we leave this place of the people we need to speak to, the people we need to pray for. Reach, Help us to reach them, Father. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' most precious and holy name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you again next week.